Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 23 of Tactical Crouch. We're a couple days late, just three days late though, it's not too bad. Tactical Crouch, of course, the podcast where we talk about a bunch of competitive Overwatch topics. Despite, or in contrary to popular belief, this is actually not an Overwatch League podcast. Did you know that, Joe? This is not an Overwatch League podcast. Yeah, we're pretty general, you know. We'll talk about anything and everything and... uh you know, contenders is still pretty important, guys. We still got to show some love to the uh, the old T2 community. So uh, if if I ever hear the comment again, like, why aren't they talking about Overwatch League on an Overwatch League podcast? Boy, you're banned. You're banned. So anyways, uh, last week was fun. We're a couple days late today because, you know, believe it or not, Overwatch League uh, players are pretty busy. And so Dogman taking time out of his day to come in to hang out with us Dogman, I really appreciate it man i mean um you've 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 you're the the quintessential like american grinder grind all the way through every single level of competitive overwatch got to overwatch league and then now you're on the show so basically tippity top so um <laughs> okay maybe not that last part but first of all congratulations on all of that that's amazing but second of all welcome to the show Thanks, man. Yeah, I just wanted to wake up early today, so we're good. This, this works out perfectly for me. <laughs> every, yeah. Every single, every other one of my teammates wake up like at least like at like noon. So <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody likes to wake up early here. Yeah, typical gamer hours. All right, I like yeah. it. So I is, see Atlanta rain. Is that because of like the Overwatch League schedule too, or is that just like preferential game till two? Sleep till uh, noon thing. That's definitely just preferential by them. Like, I mean, we probably, yeah. It's just generally they they feel like they probably they play better when they wake up an hour before. But I was like the opposite before. I always like like to wake up like at least five hours before to get like really warmed up before. But they, hmm. you can, it's easy to get tired out if you you know. Yeah. Don't don't have like aren't, aren't prepped for that schedule. I guess. But thanks for having me on the podcast. By the way. Yeah, for sure. Yiska, welcome back, yes. sir. Good to see you. You're looking, you're looking good. Got that camera in the right, like you're actually in the camera frame this time. So Incredible. Know. Let's see if I can maintain that. Usually my, it. because I'm like an old man now, like my back starts hurting and then I got to, you know, move to the, to the this position and then also the arm doesn't extend as far. So just adjust for that. Uh, just Fair enough. Uh, we've got a pretty stacked show today, so we're going to jump right in it. Before we do, though, a couple housekeeping things. Did change that Twitter handle. I haven't even updated it on, like, the main vector yet, but you find us on Twitter at tactical underscore crouch rather than OWL Daily Show. OWL Daily is no longer a thing. So uh, tactical crouch, it is everywhere, and everything should be relabeled on your podcast feeds as tactical crouch as well. If it's not, uh, like, uh, send us a message on Twitter or something so I can fix it. But I think I got everywhere. Also, um, no, actually, no other also's. That's it. Thanks for being here. We record live on Twitch, usually usually on Tuesdays, this week, Friday, usually in the mornings, this week, very early in the morning. But other than that, let's uh, get started. Joe, I'm going to pass this one to you here. Moon, coach for LA Valiant, translator, uh, no longer with yeah. the organization. What's going on? Speaking of housekeeping, you know, Valiant uh, making some changes after their 0-7 split. Um, this has been uh, pretty pretty interesting, to say the least. You know, we're, we're hearing 
things kind of come out of the woodwork, you know, maybe, maybe it's a bigger problem than what uh, we're prescribing, but uh, you know, Yiska, what do you, what do you think's uh, going on here? What's uh, what, what's the problem with Valiant? What are we prescribing? MD Yiska. Well, the thing is, it's sort of like the same thing that Valiant did last season, even though I think they were at a way better score. I think it, I think it was six, four. And also, if you then look at stage two, I think they went 4-6, so it got worse before it got better, right? And um, is that true? That, does that even make sense? I don't think they had 10 losses last season, right? I'm probably wrong on my numbers. I will but, look. Um, yeah, in general, it's an interesting uh, move. I'm not sure if it's a smart one, but the thing is, okay, I think if there was a... Um, an error made, of course systems get installed or maintained or made worse uh, during the offseason, not necessarily while Overwatch League is going on. And I wonder like, I made that made that joke like on your podcast, it's like so, all the pundits always criticize for Valiant for like, okay, we don't actually know why they're so good, like nothing sees out it's like they just play solid Overwatch and they're somehow second and apparently they themselves didn't know what what made them successful and apparently subtracted all of that and also we will continuously have to say this for all those teams like houston um which team also didn't make many changes i think that th those are the two teams that didn't make drastic changes that didn't have uh performances that you would probably want them to have or that they uh, had this expectation of so yeah, I, I think um, it's Valiant continues to be hard to read in both what went right last season and then also what went wrong, mainly also because a lot of their issues or strength seem to be stemming from intangible factors, I suppose. And, and to your credit, you were correct in stage one. Um, I think the numbers were a little off. You, uh, you had, I think you had them at uh, like six and four. They were actually seven and three in stage one. Stage mm -hmm. two, they went four and six. But this kind of um, goes into a lot of what um, Noah, Noah Winston, the CEO of, of Valiant, uh, has said publicly about having to change things proactively to um, fix problems that they foresee in the future. So, so taking something that might be good for the team at the moment, but not in the long run and change it. So that, you know, you have some shortcomings, but uh, in the long run, you hope that the investment's worth it. So Dogman, I have to pose this question to you. Are there times when you have games that, you know, you win, but they really don't feel like wins that you can definitely tell that, you know, in, in the myriad of teams that you've played for, you know, are there problems that you guys can see early on with a team structure that you kind of have to, you know, take two steps back to go a step forward is that something that you kind of can can resonate with um i think i think well specifically in overwatch league i think there's been one game that's definitely like that which was the, mm. uh well not structure sure but i think uh i think specifically individual play was the florida game the florida the mayhem game our first game of the season like i played like garbage but like i feel like i feel like people don't it's not very obvious when people play like garbage i guess when you get when you do when you are the one doing a 4-0 obviously but like Definitely, there's a lot of a lot of games that even I don't know. Like every game I lost, I feel like in contenders at least, I felt like it was just because I like I particularly play bad or like something like that. So I don't know. I'm I'm always one to put the blame more on myself than like my teammates and that kind of stuff. And 
specifically the Gladiators game, I guess, was also was less that though. I think I think probably the Gladiators game I felt better individually than I did in the um, in the Florida game. So, but that one felt like as a team we um, didn't perform well at all. So, I think that was like the first like real team loss that we had was the mm. was like the Gladiator game. But besides that, I mean. Yeah, we haven't really taken too many steps back. I think. I think we're just still moving forward, right? It's it's a long. Of course, of course. I, I I think that the fact that it's like a long season really is like really resonates. I think with most of us, or I, I think with every Overwatch League player, just because it is. Even though there's less games this season, it's still really long, and like you still have to go to the next week. So it's like there's no there's no time off to like really. I mean, you may you ha- you have like the day after, I guess, but for the most part, you have to focus on like the next game instead of worrying too much about one loss, I guess. Yeah, unless you have I mean, seven it... losses in a row, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean it's it's mostly about trajectories, right? And I wonder how hard it was for Valiant to read that their trajectory was more towards them getting worse than getting better in the uh, in the off season, right? It's because theoretically, yes, the the length of the season has been reduced, so there's less time to you know get get back, I suppose, and also. Honestly, like making making uh, season playoffs is now r- a really challenging task for the uh, Valiant at this point. Like you, you almost need another perfect stage like they had. And no, they actually did. They have a perfect stage. In, uh, I don't think so. I'll look at stage four. No, I think it was only Boston that had them, and they lost one game against I think Gladiators or something. Um, yeah, I, I think in general, if if you still feel like and also have empirical evidence that you're consistently improving, then those effects of just getting 1% better every day should be measurable and also should not scare you too much. But then at the same time, the question is how quickly is your opposition improving? And especially, like for instance, London and teams like that, like it, I guess you can hold on to expecting like monstrous changes in your play, but I'm not sure if Valiant even had the fundamentals to expect as much. So I, it's very hard for me to say that this wasn't a significant error in both understanding how how their success worked last season and then also not anticipating how much how great actually expansion teams would also be playing like it feels like almost they're in a situation where brad was in last season where i think he said on oversight or something i underestimated how uh what it would take to be good in the overwatch league i think they underestimated how much it would take to be competitive in the overwatch league this season but the uh the houston outlaws didn't change much either and they're about flat year over year does that just mean that those players yeah like improved and adapted in the off season, whereas they have Valiant the easiest, didn't. they have the easiest uh, schedule, schedule with Toronto, and I think you one could argue you guys also had pretty easy stage, right? All things considered, now with like um, you know the, how teams actually shaped up to be, not just like with rain with yeah. our with our schedule. Uh, yeah, I'd say so for the most part. Yeah, I think I think Gladiators is probably. Um, that was 100% the toughest game we've had so far. So, yeah, we probably definitely should have beaten uh, Philly. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I guess for the most part, every, like especially with early in the season with the 
teams being out rosters or without without players because they were banned or whatever, like with Neko. Um, yeah, I could see that being being a factor for sure. I mean, like, yeah, playoffs playoffs were definitely like the bigger picture. Um, for most, for I mean, for like most part of the season after even after even before the Gladiators game, because like yeah, I guess or I guess the regular season wasn't too difficult in comparison to other other groups like Shock or whatever like that had like one of the mm. hardest seasons this this stage or one of the hardest stages. Um, so yeah, I guess our stage wasn't too hard. Yeah. So in in this next week, you're going up against uh, Chengdu and in Houston, which yeah. yeah. I mean, we, so we were talking about this. We said it, should, it should be, uh, I don't, we, obviously I don't, there's no easy weeks probably in Overwatch League, but uh, they, they are ones that you look like you, you should be winning here and then going into the playoffs. Does that kind of feel right? Uh, you never know. I mean, like with, with Chengdu, Chengdu and Outlaws, um, we're, supposed, like, we're, like, pre- we're pretty much practicing for like two different teams in one week, pretty much. Like mm-hmm. Chengdu is like, Chengdu has their own play style. They have their own stuff. And like, we may not even get to practice the stuff that we play against them, uh, like in, in practice or whatever, just because of the fact that, you know, no other team plays like them. So the only, the only, like, I guess, cause we were talking about like the tier two scene, uh, I don't know if it was before, or, like during the podcast, but for the most part, that's what academy teams are used for right now is like that practice right before matches and like also like the week before because the academy team can play whatever you need them to pretty much. So mm-hmm. they're like really vital in the fact that we use them um, for the current meta and that they also practice the current meta in that, um, you know, we can we can just practice for these like unorthodox play styles like Chengdu. But they yeah, were pretty much practicing for like two different teams this weekend. Like, yeah, they may not have, I guess, the best records. And I think... Is Chang- Chengdu is out of playoff contention, right? Or mm, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, two and four, yeah. they're out. Yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, and then Outlaws, I think, can still. Yes. Outlaws has a good yes. chance. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hundred percent, those games will be still pretty difficult. I don't know if we could, if we four zero Chengdu and then like still lost three two to Outlaws. I think we might still be out. I'm pretty sure. I'm not too sure, but anyway. Mm. Regard- regardless, both teams like I don't think have like the best score for how good they actually probably are, and especially that they can run like different comps. Like Houston could probably run some sort of like combo or somber strats or whatever, and you know it's hard to fully prepare for both teams. You mentioned yeah. something kind of interesting about the academy teams there that I, I kind of want to dive into. Um, oh yeah, with you with you know having an academy team, you, you you guys are obviously you know this big owl franchise. Do you expect some of these contenders teams, especially the academy teams, to bring on a little bit more um, specialized players for that reason? So in the future, if you do have some sort of meta game where there is a a wrecking ball, you know, carry player threat that you need to practice against, you have that in your repertoire that you can pull out and and have the, the main team practice against. Do you think that's something in the cards for the future? Um, maybe I, I think I think specifically I think if anything they'd just be brought up to Overwatch League, right? Because like, wouldn't you want that player sure. on your team if they're specialized or something like that, right? Because I, I guess ideally, like, ideally, even even um even like in our roster, like Lair is like really good at like a few hit scan heroes. So like he's he's kind of like our like our hit scan like carry potential player. So like even I, mean, I know he's like not not necessarily that specific like wrecking ball or whatever like he still has a pretty decent hero pool mm-hmm. but I, I i guess like 
there's we're already seeing some sort of like specialized players i guess but like not necessarily in the roles like main tank and, and that kind of stuff like For sure. main tanks i think right now especially are probably one of the 100 percent. that's why i have like the most respect for it i think in the, in the watch point coming this weekend i talk about it but i think like main tank players have it like the hardest or like or have the hardest role in the whole league or any in, in overwatch in general because they have to play like three heroes that play i i guess wrecking ball and winston play sort of similar but they have like entirely different mechanics like all three of them pretty much so or not entirely different but like it, it's a very hard role to play because you have so much different so many different things in your in, in your hero pool i guess but like when I, as flexport all i have to play is zen anna and what like moira or whatever so i mean and those three heroes play relatively similarly like flexport you have to play like more safe i guess but for those three other three roles like you have different jobs for each one and different metas to play in, I guess. I I just looked at your schedule and the maps, and it looks like you're playing Horizon, Luna Colony, and Rialto against both uh, Houston Outlaws and Chengdu. So I wonder if the strategy should just be to go all in on the other map for Chengdu, and then I hear that Houston has like this uh, special right now where you win two maps, get one for free in Game 5. So <laughs> Yeah. That's taking yeah. the five and you win. Yeah. I think they it's sell out. They're, they're liquidating. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I mean, it would be a reverse sweep, but that would make it all the sweeter, I suppose. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, I... we're, uh, so far, we're a team not known for reverse sweep, so not yet. Not True. Yet. <laughs> True. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But I think even if, if we beat both of the teams, I think we go to third in the standings over Toronto. I think no matter what, because right now we're plus five map differential, so. It's pretty important that, I mean, obviously it's important we beat the teams, but like, it doesn't matter, I guess, how much we beat them by, I'm pretty sure. Just need to beat them. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's talk about the rain a little bit, though, because, well, actually, before we do that, can we just talk for a second? Joe, do you think that it's weird that we have two teams that are winless in a stage? Now, we have 20. We had 12 last, last season, sure. right? So we're kind of doubling in a way, so it makes sense that we maybe have two. But like <laughs> this stage feels really competitive. But when you look at the fact that we have two winless teams, is that just like weird to you? It's weird that it's it's weird to see some of the individuals that have been performing quite poorly. Um, would would it surprise me if you had asked me? you know in the preseason of washington would have won a game when you look at their schedule that's a tough schedule to squeak out a win in you know what i mean that's that's a rough schedule i think you play some of the top teams that people were just projecting to be good let alone how the teams actually shaped out um so i kind of assumed that they were going to be on the, the the rougher end so i i kind of had them tour definitely at the bottom not a lot of wins. Maybe you squeak one out here or there towards the end. I think they play Mayhem as one of their last matches. Um, is it surprising that the Valiant of all teams is uh, winless? Yeah, that's that's pretty shocking. I was pretty down on them in, in terms of just how I was predicting the preseason. But was, I, was this where I had them? No, I don't think any expert, any pundit, any anybody who watches a game of competitive Overwatch last season would have told you that this is where the Valiant would end up. So um, does it surprise me? A little bit, definitely. I think it has to, right? I guess. I mean, and that seems like the one, I think the other one that we... Well, we, we did, you know, season rankings, right? But mm -hmm. um, And we had Paris Eternal 
far down there, kind of in in the bottom. But this was supposed to be like their definitely they're like all star stage. Yiska, this is the EU super team. Oh, you're muted. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah. Sorry for coughing. Um. Yeah, and then Atlanta claps them for zero. I guess. Um. Uh, that was unexpected to me. I think that really like just completely turned the entire narrative around. Um, we will have to see though how. I mean, they didn't have an, an easy stage. I will also say, just by virtue of not dodging both of the first two teams, in the sense that they did play Vancouver. So, yeah, I think, yeah, it, it doesn't spell good news um, for for Paris that they are already that sort of the magic is gone now and that they are actually not uh, qualified for stage playoffs. I think that's if they if they got it this season, um, it was probably going to be the first stage. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think Eternal's getting better, but like it's, it's a bit too late for that now, I guess. Yeah, because they can't make yeah. stage playoffs. So in the in the metas, potentially you never know if it could change by the next stage. Um, I guess we don't know yet, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think Eternal was really good at goats at the beginning, and then like something happened, and then well, they lost to us, and they lost us so much confidence. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, and then it just, it just seemed like they just didn't trust each other or something. Probably by the next matches. I mean, that, I guess you can't put it all on that uh, because because like you know you can't just blame getting four would for the next. Did they get four would for each match, or was it they got one three one in there? I think. Yeah, against... let me take a look. I think actually had the 3-1 against Vancouver, I think. Yeah, uh, no, they got 4-0 by Vancouver. Oh. Yeah. I, thought they, yeah. I thought they won that and one. And then 3-1 against Strong, yeah. Oh, okay, that's what it was, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. they just, you can't put it all on confidence, but I think for sure they'd like, something Something about when they got, when they played, they made it, I don't know, like tilted off the face of the earth after they played a match or something like that, so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Feels bad for them. A little bit, I mean, a little bit. Like, if you want to make stage playoffs and you know you can have three losses tops, like, you probably don't want them. Like, knowing that Shock and Vancouver is coming up, getting that gut punch against you guys is, was probably pretty demoralizing. Was there something that, like, a specific thing that you just figured out about them and you just completely had their number because of it? No, I don't think so. I think I think we for for one we played decent, but for two they just played so passive and like never never did anything. I guess they didn't they didn't make any plays, and when they did make plays, it was like really shaky and just like generally they it didn't have like they they just seemed like scared the whole time, pretty much. I guess like they weren't mm. they didn't want to fight, and I guess like that was their play style is to play like passive or something like that, and like maybe they were really good at that, but in matches it just didn't work out at all for them. Like mm. I, I guess in this meta, especially like it, it seems like like Gladi gladiators played how like they probably should have played when we played against gladiators. Like they they played this passive play style that has like a counter punch and like some really good like techniques for playing in the current meta. But I think I think Brad was talking about the other day to to me. But it's like very rock paper scissors right now this meta because like certain play styles can like beat certain like certain teams I guess. So like when we play against gladiators, they had a really good play style against us, and we play against Paris. I mean, I guess they got wrecked by a lot of teams, but like certain teams play a certain way, and like uh, Vancouver has like a very aggressive play style. Like it's mm -hmm. very, it's very easy to tell these things, but like you never know how they they work up against each other. I guess. 
within you know you mentioned Watchpoint a little earlier, and I think in uh, I think it was you and DeFran in your in your Paris match had, leading up to it. They had this this pre roll about you know kind of trying to position a little bit of a rivalry. Is uh, you know how how uh, how how valid is that? Do we uh, how how are how friendly are we with the uh, the EU? Boys? I thought I thought that was like I thought that was a like an interview for some like for a news uh, ah, okay. like website or something mm. like that. I didn't realize it was for actually <laughs> Overwatch League. So I got debated a little bit. A little bit, all right. Because like so right before the, well, he, they were, they were they were prepping right before. They were like, oh yeah, this is like oh, the whole point of this is to is to clip some bits of you guys talking trash and like that. So like for the most part, like we pretty much avoided saying anything bad about them for the most part. But like they told us what what like Cruz said about mm-hmm. London the other week or whatever or something like that. And then I don't know. It was just by the end of it, they didn't they didn't put it in the in the thing. I think I don't know how how much I've I've talked about it, but like. It, it, he asked us, or he told us, like how Cruz said that they played it like sixty percent, like yeah. against London, and they and they still won, or did they win against London? They did. Yeah, right? they beat London. Yeah. They yeah won. So he was like, "Oh, they played against sixty percent uh, against London," and then he said something like, "Oh, if we play a hundred percent, we'll beat Atlanta easily, or something like that." Mm-hmm. And then I and then I I posed the question. I was like, "Oh, so you only use ten what ten percent of your brain, or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, maybe we're playing at six percent. So if we use at least ten percent of our brain, we, we're going to beat Paris." Player like math. That. This is a new version of caster math where players try to <laughs> use some sort of like. <laughs> yeah. I, I so, like it. All right. Is that the same type uh, or the same region in the brain that calculates the amount of percentages you want scrims in? That yes. never matches up. Yeah. 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 We. we I was like, yeah. I, I just did not have. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have anything to say to them. I guess. Fair enough. Fair so enough. I was just trying to do quick maths in my head to say something. It's easy. It's easier to say things sporadically and on stage. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that much is obvious. I love it. I love it. We should just have the feeding conversation now, Yiska. You You want to jump into everybody's a feeder? <laughs> <laughs> I was. I want a shirt that. I, hopefully, you hopefully. should. You should brand that. That should. You have. You need to pitch we'll this see. to I Brad need, and I get to. to call me, I need to call more people feeders. Give me. Give yeah. me. A, give me another stage. Give me a second. You're. You're kind of positioning yourself to kind of be the the double lift of uh, of of Overwatch. You know, everybody's trash and everybody's a feeder. You just have to get a get a Red Cross logo, but you know something more Atlanta Rain like, and you know you just. You're just letting everybody know that you know every each and every team has their own you know bank of food that you can go in and, and yeah. Next, next I just bite. need to make a, a super team and then just go undefeated for you know a couple <laughs> seasons. What I want, what I actually want to see is at the end of the match when you're going to shake hands and and all that stuff with the other team. I want you to hand the other team a, a spork and like in a your spork? hand a spork. Oh so God! I don't can, know if they let me. So they can continue to feed themselves. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! I'm branding myself even to the players, dude. Oh God! Just be like, boom! There you go. <laughs> you you have one spork and you sign it. You sign the the like the bowl part of the spork, God. and the person who fed the most on the team that you reach in the pocket, boom, spork. That should right just be him. Actually, I, I said it on the on on Watchpoint, but I felt bad for Cruz after because like people people were like going hard on him for like. Like the the following weeks, they just kept calling him a feeder over and over and over again. Like I was like, damn, this is like bullying at this point. <laughs> I, just, I didn't I didn't mean to cause that much commotion about it for sure. I think that's just a natural uh, consequence of the play style that he has, and also Kellex has, for instance. Like 
when I watch Kalix, sometimes like he has the biggest boobs and plays, and he really sets up everything, like a lot of Boston's plays. But it's like sometimes he's just turbo feeding into a meat grinder, like it's like he gets caught on a diva, and everyone just shoots him, and he's like, "Yeah, I can't move and spam out of this." I think it's just a side effect of um, like if one was to take that statement seriously. I'm not even sure if how many, for instance, first death. Uh, Cruz had in the series against you guys. It would be interesting to see. I think Neptuno had a lot more first deaths in the Philly game than Cruz did. So, but mm. I mean, like, I guess everybody on Parish just got destroyed, whereas in the Philly game, just Neptuno got destroyed. So, it's kind of like <laughs> individual versus team team play, I guess. So it wasn't just on Cruz for sure. I think people don't care yeah. as much if you're winning. If yeah. you're if you're winning and making fights close, it's when you're not winning and then boom, you're dying first. People are ruthless. Do you get ruthless tweets very often, Dustin? Is, uh, is, is not that really. Something I know. You had to deal with. No, just after the just after the Paris game, I think I had some questionable requests in my DMs from European people, like where they were like, like I was kind of I was kind of scared. I was like, shit, I said something really bad about Cruz. Maybe maybe next time I'm out, dude, I'm gonna see a jump by a bunch of freaking guys from Paris or something like that. You never know. <laughs> you never know what that shit, dude. It's crazy. Somebody could just walk up and just give me a sucker punch and be like, this is for Europe or something like that. And I'm just like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he says that too. This is for Europe. <laughs> That's it. Oh, form of revolution. Oh, 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 exposed, exposed. Okay, so I looked at the stats of the Philly against uh, Rain series. So admittedly, uh, Enlia was the biggest feeder in with like 20 minutes of playtime. Uh, he had 25% FD. The next one with 41 minutes of playtime, 42, 16% dogman on Zinyata. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I think the majority of our mistakes from that game was not knowing how to play against Winston Goats. I, think, I, think I, I, first, I didn't know how to play against Winston Goats, and I think for two as a team, we didn't know how to play against Winston Goats because like, there's certain things that you do against Winston Goats now or like when you play against that kind of comp that like is better but like majority of those deaths from Volskaya because like or is Volskaya and then I think some of them are on Ilios too because like we just kept feeding on Lighthouse I think so by we I mean me I guess but as a team it was why I died because like literally we didn't know how to play against Winston Goats and like I kept getting discorded and then I would they just jump me and then like I'd be dead but like that was just because we didn't know how to play against and I didn't know how to avoid discord and me and pokebo didn't work together very well at that time i'm pretty sure on that fact specifically but yeah i, just, I died a lot on volska and we still won that map but i think the amount of deaths i had was like at least maybe over 20 i don't know i don't think it was that high but i definitely yeah. died a lot and had a lot of i mean like the, the luckily luckily i also killed a lot too so it did luckily it wasn't just one side of the story luckily yeah but Unless you're uh, talk, talking to Yiska. Yiska makes it a one-side story. <laughs> <laughs> I, get... so, I, I also checked Cruz. He was actually hardcore feeding first death in the, in the series against you guys. He was at 18%, and that was by far the most, with Nico at 15 And that's not even that terrible for Briggs. But yeah, for Lucio, it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. It's kind of odd. You kind of really in Overwatch, you have to play like it seems like like you do nothing kind of on Brig. Like where you have to like sit back just so that you don't feed, and then like you want to save Bash and like shift, I guess, for like those mid fights or something like that. But for the most part, it seems like Brig just really doesn't doesn't do you anything. Sit there in but armor pack and... yeah, the whole the whole point is to live and to like not feed, I guess, on Brig. 
So is Houston just kind of not getting the memo? Like what's going on there? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully they feed. Yeah. I'll be hopefully sure to let they don't know. figure that out until <laughs> next stage. <laughs> who's, who's the biggest feeder on Houston in your opinion? Oh, I don't, I don't know. All right. I don't think it's raucous. I think that that's a bit of a false storyline. Probably. I think, I think, I don't know. I think he, he makes mistakes. I think a lot of flex supports in Overwatch they make mistakes, but I definitely don't think Rockus deserves all of the shit that he gets. I guess. I mean, yeah, I guess he, stats wise. Oh yeah, what? What are you saying? He just has like a propensity to be out of position in the last fight where it looks bad, and then yeah. people think that somehow matters more than every other fight beforehand. Well, it's just like flashy plays. It's like when you see a flashy play, you're like, oh, that guy's so sick. And it's like, well, you know, that was just one play. Let's evaluate like all of their plays. And Rockus, yeah, he, he's not the best player in the world, but, you know, does he deserve Reddit threads about him and, you know, lambasting him? Probably not. No, I don't think he's that bad, but, you know. Not the best, I would say. I think I think right now flex support's all about efficiency and like making sure that like you can do the most with your kit as possible. And then like I don't know, because I I noticed at least at least with me specifically, like I was really like my damage output is like decent to not the best, but like I have a lot of uh what is it final blows and stuff like that. Like I think that's like uh it's like not necessarily the right way to play the game, I guess, but it's like. It's just the way that I guess I did for the longest time. Um, so that's why I guess generally my damage output's not that high at the beginning. It's just because, like, I didn't... I, I guess, like, yeah, it's just all about efficiency. It's, like, making sure you're making the most of your kit and, like, always doing a lot of damage. And, like, it's it's also about the shield pressure and, like, the damage output that, you know, you have on shields and stuff. That's why Violet and Jonak are so high for the most part because they just spam left-click the whole time and they're not, mm. like, wasting any downtime and making sure that they can get the most out of right-clicks and stuff like that. But I think for the most part, a lot of flex support. I I I never rated my role very highly. I guess like that's why I didn't like even the fact that Jonek was MVP last season because I was like I don't think as a flex support the impact is even that high. Even when I watch him, I think that there's like so, like he's doing a lot of things good and he's like being very efficient. But I don't think that that's like an MVP caliber role. I guess. I mean, like yeah, I guess you can get there, but I don't I don't agree with it. I guess. Mm. Very interesting because like the 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 differences like the the owner or like the founder of Wenceslab and now you know Toronto defined analyst, Baroy made like a a statistical um, breakdown of like Zenyatas and like till stage three you could almost perfectly match the stand league standing to the actual performance of the Zenyatas and. He also seems to conclude that Zenyatta is probably the most important role in the game. Really? Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it, it's, I think it's mainly because I have a pessimistic view towards my role, I guess. So, like, mm -hmm. like, for the most part, I guess it's also why I call people feeders on Lucio's and stuff like that, just because, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really feel that highly of, of, of our role, I guess, just because mm -hmm. I feel like, like at least half of the Zens in the Overwatch League aren't very good. Like, I think for the most part, Ooh. like, there's a lot of, um, mistakes that are made, and I think that it's like it's just general playstyle things that I think that they probably won't fix either. So it's like, for the most part, flex support. Like when you come into the league as a flex support, like you can't. A lot of Zens don't really improve, I guess, throughout the year. They just kind of either come in really good or or not, I guess. Mm. But like so, like with Violet, for instance, he just came, he just came in and he's a rock star. So like, it's like yeah. easy to come in and be really good, and then. 
but it's it's hard to come in bad and then get good i guess i don't yeah. know I think he still needs to almost go like through a Jonak-esque transformation, at least with his trans uh, usage, because there's still some questionable stuff that right there, yeah. I know, Tripod, I know you wanted to talk, but I think, uh, Yishka, on that point, I think I think, uh, I think, trance as a, as a whole, like, is, is kind of weird, I guess, because, like, you can use it in so many different ways, I think, right now. Yes. Like, for the most part, when you see, like, trans usage like that, I guess, when, when you see, like, trans usage like that out of... Uh, out of Violet, I think that might be like a coaching thing, or like what the what Krusty and them have told him, because like for the most part, I, I know I would probably would change my transitions if it like wasn't good for the meta, or if like we had a different play style or something like that. Like, there's a lot of of areas where you can use it early. You just need to like, you need your team to be able to to int with it, I guess, or like actually do something with those trances, and then also do it in positions for that. But if their team is telling him like, oh, you could just use it on cooldown, then He's probably going to use it on cooldown, I guess, right? And it's, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a bad thing, I think. So you're kind of of the school of this uh, very Korean-minded transcendence usage, or the support uses, actually, um, where you're using it almost for tempo and less for reactive, trying to take, you know, Earth Shatter or, or Graviton, or maybe even trying to catch the rally and kind of, you know, uh, react to their ultimate. You're trying to use it a little bit more proactively. Is that kind of where, where you're headed with it? Yeah, I guess I get without without giving away too many. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, of course, details. no trade secrets here. I mean, <laughs> did I, you re get to read the article from Benchmob? Uh, I did not yet. What, what, what said? What, what was the gist of it? What... Uh, he basically thinks also because Kodak had uh, sort of like similar patterns is that its coaching style like totally like selfless Brad basically about using trans very tempo s because Brad is probably. Like one of the fathers of tempo Overwatch, oh, if we think, to, think about back, you know, like <laughs> spawn camping selfless. I, I think um, someone like also also Silence gets a lot of should get a lot of credit though for like our play style too. Like so, I don't know how much you guys know about him, about our about our coach. This is yeah. coach. He's from France. He literally eats like this certain like diet so that he doesn't <laughs> freaking die. So he just like nice. lives in this like this little turtle of a of a house all day 24-7 in France, and he's just, like, this the biggest brain dude. Because I've known him since LNL, so he's, like, really smart. He's one of, like, the, I think he's one of the reasons that, like, we have certain play styles, and, and he, like, he leads a lot of our VOD review sessions, for sure. Like, Brad's a really good head coach, and then Silence is a really good brain, so. Mm -hmm. I don't remember why I was saying that specifically. <laughs> I kind yeah, of Because sure of that. the high-tempo uh, trans oh. users. So, for instance, I think the article... I would have to recall it because it's like a couple of days ago and I'm old. But um, the, <laughs> the idea was basically that you don't necessarily have to, like, it doesn't seem like a, a, a necessity that you have a trance for every graph that the opponent charges. And you also seem to be using it a lot to not die, I suppose, in fights. And then also use it to almost engage and like win fights based on that. And your like the team's team fight percentage with trans as a result of this is that I think among the highest in the league. But it's, of course, high, yeah. yeah, you also have one of the lowest success rates in turning around uh, when being graphed. So mm -hmm. it's just because it's just because like I guess like for the most part, if a team has a good grab combo or like against Trank, like you should die to it. I think for the most part, unless they make mm -hmm. some mistake or something like that. If if they grab combo, you should just die to it pretty much. So I, I think, I guess it's all, like along that mindset where if they grab combo, you're dead. So there's no point in tranking it. I guess you might as well do something more beneficial with it. 
you know? I mean, I guess, like, you can do it, but I don't know. I, 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 Vancouver doesn't do it. Do they do it much, or do they always save Trank for grabs? I think they do actually always save Trank for grabs. Twilight's yeah, a very... Yeah, I think so. Twilight yeah. likes to save his ult, I think, a lot. Yeah. I think there are some times where a bumper, like, if they don't have enough resources to catch bumper, like, if, if bumper gets solo grabbed, like, they'll invest transcendence into trying to, like, move forward and save him. But, yeah. yeah for the I, most part, I, I think, think NYXLs also have, like, the same, that same mindset where they just I think a lot Mano, of teams are. I they let Mano die a lot. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And they somehow win team fights even when Mano dies. Like, I noticed when I was watching, mm-hmm. I think their last game, where they just let, like, Mano die sometimes out in the open. Or just, like, when, jo- when Jonek has Trank. Just cut like, your losses. No reason to try and run across, you know. Yeah. Antarctica to try and save your teammate when it's like okay well they have to invest a lot into that we'll take what we have and you know make yeah, I guess what we have. there's merit to both sides yeah. of the of Trank usage I think but, it's play styles yeah. you know like you said it's it's different views on the game and you know whoever has the best better execution I suppose wins yeah I guess just to shout that piece out just check it out for from Benchmark I think it was honestly the if not yeah one of if not the best analytical uh article that we've had this year yep. like he really breaks it down takes like team fights you won like he went has like a table of all the team fights you played in in like a match and, and how, just how you explains why plan. how you yeah. do it yeah oh, it's shit. it's really cool i'll have to check it out after this then that's really cool it's a long one yes yes yeah. multiple not, definitely multiple not a thousands. bathroom reader unless, <laughs> no, no. unless you like that i guess sort of watching movies in the shower so there's that. Yeah. That's what well, I you're also you're also the guy on a on a Wuji board like a freaking like those <laughs> boards right now. Know, gotta keep that butt tone, man. It's you like know? it's like the that core strength, baby. It's like that Shaq gif where he's like dancing, he's like ready, he's like moving back and forth, but his head stays still the whole time. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. It's what you're fancy, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I have to contribute to that conversation unfortunately so no it's okay um link to the artery let me uh get a link to the article for i you. get you hold on boom do we want to talk do you have any other coaching questions yes guy i know you were really curious about oh, yeah. the coaching setup yeah because like especially with new expansion teams because we didn't have time and then also like legitimately some coaches i think there's merit to not even discussing that too much or being a public personality as a coach um like, for instance, we, we don't know much about NYXL, how that worked. And, like, we assumed sort of it was all, you know, Wizard Young because he talked shit on Oversight once. And, um, yeah, like, hearing about silence was interesting. Like, what, what's your coaching stuff in general? Like, what's the structure, I suppose? Um, I guess our... Str- Crap, I don't know how much I should touch on it. Hmm. Um, but overall, like, I guess, I guess to... I'm thinking about like we have so silence is like one of our like main strategic coaches. Casaurus is good, um, like assistant head coach kind of I guess. Where he also leads a lot of the VOD review sessions. He's like a lot of the face of our team I think as well. Um, so he has a big factor in it I guess. And then um, Brad's our head coach, so Brad Brad's like I guess like the crusty or like the the. Um, uh, who who else would it be like? I guess like Pavane, and like mm-hmm. being like also head coach or or someone like I guess Boone was for Valiant, where he takes mm-hmm. a lot of that like head coaching role. Um, and then Danny's an uh, analyst for us. He doesn't even really communicate with us that much, but he does a lot of like general stats and all that kind of stuff. 
Danny, we call we, that's why we call him Danny with the stats all the time. Uh, <laughs> and then I didn't talk about silence, I guess, but silence is like, are also like, we talk to him a lot, but he has a lot of say and what, what we do in the strategy. But like, it's mainly, I guess like Danny feeds them information and then like, they're like the, the three heads that al always work on like what we need to do and also all, like coming up with strategies and like giving us game plans and that kind of stuff. So how, how much of it is like macro man, uh, like coaching and how much do you actually get coached on micro stuff? Um, I think for the most part, a lot of it is macro. I think Casaurus is our performance coach. So like we, like if we have any questions or if we're something doing, doing something extraordinarily bad or so, or like we feel like we are, then we can, we can always go to like a one V one session with them. But for the most part, um, as a whole, I, I think a lot of it's just macro. I think a lot of it's just stuff that we work on as a team. Like. There's there's obviously some individual things, but for the most part, like when we have losses, it's it feels like it's like a a team error than more than like a individual basis. Hmm. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. that answers the question. But yep. Those questions, you good, Yiska? Yeah, I'm fine on. All right. I mean, I I understand that you can't you you know like talk about the entire structure because structure is super important and if you figured something out about coaching you probably don't want to give that away like a lot of teams still structurally have issues in the overwatch league where it's like okay so what kind of a character do you actually need for a head coach what kind of character do you need as an assistant coach like uh, who should have the game knowledge here and who should have the people skills and um who does the management stuff so everything just works you know what kind of other factors do you need? And then also it's, it's a little bit about min-maxing, I think, for a lot of the expansion teams because like buying in was already more expensive and then you had to set up. And like if you come later, everything is like less cost-efficient than it was the first time around. And yeah, in general, I think a lot of expansion teams just took the, the approach of like not over-hiring, but just trying to be very effective and also trying to find out, okay, so we definitely need... need that role or you definitely need that role while other teams like for instance like dallas comes to mind they just like seem to have a big coaching staff that just covers a lot of bases <coughs> yeah and i think on that note because we were talking about valiant earlier i think that like personally i i always put like or i put a little bit of blame on on moon and i think like i don't know if it was even his fault that they went on seven like it probably wasn't directly his fault but I think I think especially this meta, I think it's for sure a meta that like that shows that you have good coaches or or like I don't know. I think I think it's just really mm. a meta that shows you have good coaching because like they have a good roster in my opinion. I think space like do you guys still think space is like the best Western diva or even one of the best divas in the league or do you think he's falling mm. off a little bit or something or like I I still think he's good. I I'd have to sit there and and look, but I still I I don't think he's dropped too far down in my my kind of general. Yeah, I mean, like they have a good roster I, in terms of people. I think Kariv had a pretty good Zarya actually too. I think yes, when I when I played him in speaking. yeah, when I played him in ranked, he was like a lot like Sinatra, where he was like this carry Zarya that would just like get a lot of energy and just like frag out. Like he was really good at that. And I think if he had, if they had good coaching on Valiant, I think like I don't see them not turning that team into like a good goats roster. So it's like it's. I, I guess that's like the only question mark of you know Valiant was their coaching. Uh, I don't want to necessarily blame them because we haven't seen you know next stage or anything. But sure, sure. Uh, a surprisingly good roster just wasn't utilized correctly. I feel like this stage. 
Fair enough. I mean, some people, I guess, will argue differently where they, they say that, oh, they weren't, they're missing DPS or something like that. But I think even I think then, like, yeah. yeah, you could still do well, I think, with their current roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really yeah, feel think... like an 0-7 roster. No. No, without God, it, you know, no. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, roster-wise, no. The only position where I, you could say that just based on what requirements the meta has is probably Lucio, because they play sort of oh, like a game well, of, of I think that's the walls are lava. <laughs> it's like um yeah i well, think that the, the, the bad part is that i don't even feel like that was like the main reason that they went oh and seven yishka like that was like yeah. a big glaring thing that like i think was like a red flag towards the coaching mm-hmm. my opinion. yeah yeah no no yet and then also in general like this this manager just requires you to be a unit like you can't just like scream winnable as widow and just you know win team fights like carpe or whatever like that's that's not the matter for this right mm-hmm. i mean yeah i guess i guess for the most part yeah it's not like a meta for that <laughs> but you can still win fights 5v6 so it's yeah, definitely I, I i guess there's not like a I, I don't know how many stats you guys have on like how many 5v6s are actually won but there is like there's mm. still clutchability i think in in this meta as long as you don't lose the Lose a certain hero, I think. There's still clutchability. Yeah, yeah. Z- mm, uh, yeah, Zarya is the, the one where if you lose her first, you have the lowest win rate. And then. Um, yeah, Zarya is then, then probably Ryan Brig. Maybe Ryan is second, I'm pretty sure. Mm, okay. Interestingly, because. Yeah, okay. I think it's very different. It, like, even though we talk about the same archetype, it, I still think that. Um, Monkey Goats is very different in how it operates, and also how yeah, the, the Zarya needs to play, and um, also what kind of advantages of Zarya gets through that playstyle, and how she uh, can use the space. So, yeah, it's a, it's like th- those you'd probably have to tear apart those stats and see. Okay, in Ryan Goats, like if Zarya dies, that is the bad part. Yes. But I'm not hundred percent convinced that. Uh, probably Zarya is still very important. I'm not sure about how the other percentages shake out. But overall, one has to say, this is actually the meta where it is less likely to win a fight when, when you're one down than comparison to last season. Like, well, yeah. It's, it's very counterintuitive because we had Rezus and whatever from Mercy, but getting first kill was still just as consequential as it was when there was no mercy in the meta. People were like, uh, but what about like uh, the res that completely yeah, negates the first kill? I feel like no, it's it doesn't. fair to like it takes a, Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't. Like statistically, it absolutely doesn't. It takes away the cooldown. And then, of course, if you kill, m- killed mercy first last season, it was just completely over. You basically killed three people in that sense, right? So at least in stage one. So um, yeah, it's... But even though this is all the case, this meta is actually worse. It depends on the team. And I'm very, I'm very curious how, like, the, I think Vancouver has the highest win rate by far when they went down. Also because it's often bumper. But, um, like, otherwise, if you're one down in this meta, and it's not one of the specific heroes, like, um, I think once you're in fight and Lucio dies, it's not as terrible, for instance. Yeah, you're just doomed, like, it's, at least statistically. <coughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, do we want to talk about stage two a little bit? 
Let's sure. Yeah, we can, we can kind of uh, theorize. I know that uh, Dogman had a little bit of a little, little bit of self hate on the Zenyatta, you know, role, and you know, kind of a uh, kind of low on the totem pole. Do you think uh, think that might change come uh, possibly stage two with this new PTR patch? Obviously, you know, Baptiste, I believe he's coming in roughly four days to the live servers. You know, bump it a week, bump it two weeks, then uh, he'll be on the you know competitive live patch um you know generally what's your thoughts i know you guys haven't really um taken too much time to explore that but uh just your general consensus of this new patch in uh, hero 30 um i guess i kind of i kind of wish like anna was more could have been a possibility <laughs> i don't know if i don't know if ever she could come back even because like zen's just so good and mm. i think even even these nerfs or changes changes to zen aren't really massive nerfs even like i think what is it his discord has less damage but down five percent something like yeah that. yeah but he has more damage overall or something like that um and then anna just got a straight nerf i mean the nerf wasn't even that much i think but I, it's still a nerf i think i kind of wish I, I guess he's in a good place but everybody else is just too strong um i think i think i think is the general census that that bap that piece is going to be a flex support I think that was like is mm. it the general consensus. I would assume I, we haven't. We haven't. Yeah, been able to I don't think so. Much. You don't. Think I so personally don't think so. No, I think Zen is still. Or something? Yeah, I think. Uh, like it, it depends on what. Like a lot, a lot of people are saying. Okay, so Goats is um, still sort of alive and well. Sure. At least on some apps, and then what you would do likely is what people don't realize about Baptiste is he is actually in effect, especially in Goats the best healer in the game like he he sometimes puts out in scrims right now 30 percent more than a moira you put there it's insane like i feel like his his heal is almost overtuned so given that it's like okay so what if if you put him in instead of brig so you don't have the setup anyway anymore with brig in uh in goats like you don't to do these shatter combos sure. you also don't need the armor anymore that is also now heavily nerfed in terms of utility what it provides by being not below the energy shields or yeah and then it's also like how much does the armor actually matter if you're not just your sustained healing but also your burst healing is just so of the like it's baptiste bursts harder than uh, Brigitte does, like in terms of uh, mm. healing you can do. So yeah, I think there, there's probably um, something to be said about just goats with Baptiste there instead of uh, Brig. But I, yeah, it's it's hard to f to see what else could just, you know, well, yeah, happen I mean, with the other heroes. I guess, I, guess, I guess you might have seen like Pichu or something <coughs> like that, but I guess for the most part, because you, you said that he does like, a, like what you said, 30% more than Moira. Even wouldn't that make him a flex support then, right? Because like he could just like chill and just heal everybody up to full HP like by himself. You wouldn't need anybody else, I guess. Mm. Like yeah. if you had, I guess if you had Zen, I guess. But even then, like even in goats already right now, like you only need Zen, Lucio, and Brig. So like, and those don't have that much healing. It's just more about the damage output, I mm -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. So like, if if you just have him, he he's able to do both, I guess, with his ult and then yes. left clicks too. I think he could be a flex support, but. That'd be, I, I'm just excited if he is one, I guess, because then that'd be like another hit skin hero. I mean, I know he has burst, his burst rifle and it's not like as impactful, I guess, as other heroes yeah. for sure. 
uh, I think he'd still be fun because he'd be like similar to like playing Anna again, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess not the same, because, but like he seems pretty skillful. I mean, besides his right click, for the most part, I, I hear that his right click also is like very easy to use. I mean, I know it's like mm-hmm. very precise when you when you use it, but like if you're playing goats, all you have to do is just right click and it just goes in and yeah. heals him yeah, to full yeah. HP. Yeah. But he seems. I wonder if the the best way to nerf him isn't to reduce the splash because that just seems insane. Like, it seems like another hero that Diva is just going to do really well into. So, like as we're you know within this meta, we're seeing Diva kind of slowly, and we've seen this progressively through contenders. We've seen her slowly kind of drop down in in the power rankings. We're starting to see people replace her. We're starting to see more comps kind of. I think it's um, just because sorry to start to cut you off. All no, no, you're good. I think it's definitely just because Sombra is so freaking strong. Sure, I think, exactly. Like, I think there's a potential that, like, as soon as we like see some of these nerfs or something like that, we just we're just gonna see a massive like Sombra resurgence or something like that come back, just because how good Sombra is right now. Where you could just replace an off. I mean, you could place your off tank with her. So like, we might see like some Sombra specialists come back, mm-hmm. like with Dante, and then Guard is like a really good Sombra. I don't know how much you guys actually know. Yeah. That, I think Giska's very, very fond of Guard. <laughs> yes, I keep retweeting that one tweet <laughs> sometime in like what would have been probably Contender Season One with yeah. Element Mystic. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Guard's Briggs not that bad, but I think no. his, his Sombra, Sombra is, is easily like his Sombra's yeah. like the best by like a pretty decent margin. I, I like Guard even when I was trying out with him. Like he seemed like a nice guy, but he's like. He's very. Uh, he's also a very. He's like the most one of the most pessimistic like Koreans. I yeah, know, I think. Just cause, it's like, very what, self-critical. Yeah, he's really self-critical. Like he was like, mm. I don't know He had like an injury, I think, even before the league, where he had like uh, on his like hand, he had like some sort of like, I don't know, something preventing him from playing a hundred percent. Yeah, the guy's gone through a lot, and he's what twenty, I think. He's my age, I think. Yeah, he's. It, it it is nuts to me that like I think he had one of those matches where he had like. I think it was like 5.2 EMPs hit per EMP, which is nuts. It's like the entire team always. And he went, came out of that game and just, they won that too. I think it was the last one. He just went like, <laughs> I, uh, I will, I promise to play better next game. It's like, <laughs> I disgraced my family or some shit, like completely pooping on everyone else. Like, I, I'm not sure what he believes his ceiling is, but it's, it is very scary to think that there's still, you know, room uh, for for him to improve upon because, like, I I already think he's he's uh, far ahead. Like, the the interaction with his coach was like we were reviewing um, an Element Mystic game and they were playing Sombra, and I was like saying, um, okay, so if anything came out of this VOD review, it's that Guard is a nut on uh, on Sombra, and then I didn't add anyone, just out of like nothing comes along his coach and says just like response guard is best <laughs> and it's just like the, the tweet <laughs> well it's true i mean like literally guard i i think i think this is i think specifically him he's probably plays sombra at like the highest level that we've probably seen in overwatch i think in general out of sombra like mm-hmm. i guess some people like think what is it when when was it when esco was playing sombra or was somebody else when sombra yeah. just just come out was it Eska that was really good at Sombra? Uh, Eska was definitely up there. Surprisingly enough, I thought Twilight always had a very, very good Sombra. Um, kind of was an early, um, was early in favor of her quite 
quite back in the day when he played for Conbox. He had a very good Sombra. I don't know if that's who you're thinking of. Asuka did as well have a very, very lights out Sombra back when she was kind of this health pack engine yeah. when you would just hack health packs on Volsky and, and just charge EMP. Right now, I think Sombra's like really, really position based and like really movement based. Like with her, with her E, like you're constantly rotating and trying to move into position. It's kind of, it's very similar to like Tracer for sure. I think where like she's like always using to get back a little bit or like reposition to like a certain angle and guard like specifically like utilizes the kit to like a degree that nobody else does. I think Dante's really good at Sombra, but I think guard is just like one of the best by far. But I guess that leads into like what we were talking about with the next patch, where I think. Yeah. Sombra potentially can be overtuned. Like she could shut out Baptiste with his with his E, right? Or like mm-hmm. prevent him from even using it in the first place. So I don't know. Like Sombra is definitely, I think, gonna be. It, it, we might potentially go back to a Sombra meta, in which in which case I'm not excited. <laughs> what, Anything that stops you from playing the game, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what's actually interaction between the um, the? I, I don't know, you know if you can even hack prevention. it. Interesting. Yeah, 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 that's the be... question. Does it get EMP'd and then you can die through the? Possibly, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the interaction. I'm pretty sure that's the that you if you yeah, EMP it should be. It, it can't. It doesn't save anybody. Yeah, I think that should be the case, and maybe also, I, I'm not. I, like currently, everyone's just assuming for the duration of, like people are immortal. But I think pretty pretty quickly we'll, we'll find out that uh, good players get on top of it and just kill it very quickly. Yes. So. It's not like two two fifty HP is like a, well, you can, when you look at it, it's it's a lot. But when you have so many like mobile tanks that, that you can, can also kind of push it, you you can also like hide it and stuff though. Like you can put it behind mm-hmm. walls can, and it'll still have impact and stuff like that. So there's a lot of like small things you could do with it to keep it alive, I guess. But I think yeah. I think Baptiste will be good. But like I, I just imagine like every like he pops his E down when there's a diva bomb, and then everybody runs to the circle, and then EMP comes in, and then everybody just dies to it, and they just <laughs> all ran yeah. towards the diva bomb. When yeah. you see Janu with a six K or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the next one is gonna be. I think it's still up in the air. Are definitely, you, definitely. Are you at all worried about only having like eleven days to prepare between stage one and stage two, assuming that this is the meta shift we're looking at and this is the patch we're looking at um if the meta does change i think yeah i think it'll be a little worrisome but i think everybody for the most part besides if if the meta did change everybody on the for the most part would be on the same page like at least everybody else would have to change or have to adapt it in those 11 days i guess um but also i think people that what is it people that don't make playoffs or the teams that don't make playoffs would have more time mm-hmm. i think yes so if the meta did change, I think that would be a little worrisome. But for the most part, um, I, I'd imagine people are still going to run goats for a little bit. Or like, oh, like even new... going into stage two, I think that you won't see just a complete shift. I, I don't think anybody's going to just be lights out on goats. So you've put too much time into it. You, it'll be a slow burn to change. But yeah, it'll change. It just won't immediately, I don't think. At the same time, if I'm like Justice or Valiant or mayhem what the hell are you doing if you're coming back with goats like you you already can say okay so let's already start practicing the max meta we're not going to we're not okay so for justice and florida i guess they're playing each other but like you should already be having your point you you, you bring up a good point if you know these the the non-playoff teams are going to be all inning this next meta and they come up with a new age comp that's going to beat goats once the teams from playoffs come in and they start scrimming that'll catch wind and yeah definitely that could that could definitely happen for sure 
I mean, arguably, Chengdu has been doing that since the start of the Overwatch League. Can't play, can't play like them. It's impossible. <laughs> impossible to replicate. That's gonna be a hard match this weekend. Yeah, I don't know if you want to kind of talk about the the each individual match. You know, uh, what what's your thoughts on Chengdu? If you want to kind of give a brief profile of your opinion on them. I don't know. I, I want to think like similarly to like like the Patriots think like freaking uh, what is it? What's his name? Who's the head coach? I forgot. I can't believe I remember his name. Yeah, Belichick. Just like where you like, oh, I'm not thinking about the future. I'm just thinking about the next match. <laughs> but like we have two matches back to back, so it's yeah. hard to not think about both games publicly. I guess so. Like those games, like specifically, probably would be one of the hardest. I guess of the stage. I, I think Gladiators was really freaking good. Mm. I, I tweeted about it too, but like Gladiators was like, even even preseason to like now they were really good. I think I think I I don't think that it's fair to say that is because of Sure for Azari or whatever. Like I think Sure for Azari was really good still. Um, I just think as a team they just didn't perform on stage. Like I think a big factor was like Roar was like feeding for like literally three games in a row mm. until like our match. Like he just like popped off and was really. I mean I don't know if we just played bad or something like that. But Roar specifically was like, has improved like immensely. I like right, like within the week, like the week before we reviewed him, and he was just like hard charging, inting. Even my even my comp games, he was just holding shift and like going to backlines from across the map and taking all the damage. Coast to coast. Yeah, and I, I play the like... same way. By the way, it's the same strategy. So Roar <laughs> and I play, play the same, Ryan. Yeah, you and Roar were the same, but. No. Now, I guess that's the difference between you and War is that he can improve and you stay the same. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Tom. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me, lads. Let's go. <laughs> no, Roar, Roar is insanely good now. I think that's that's the factor I wanted to really touch on is that I think the biggest factor in them not doing well was because he wasn't performing um, until the later later half of the stage. Um, but for the most part, we everyone expected Gladiators to be a good team. Like mm -hmm. the, them and Spark were like the two top teams, I guess, besides N NYXL. But Spark was also really. Cool. I, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about them. You know, we heard on Oversight, and you know, me personally, I definitely bought into the hype of there a little bit. You know, when you hear so many players and coaches talk about, like, oh, this is the team everybody's talking about. Like, oh, you know, what what are they going to bring out? These are players that I've kind of you know followed for a long time. Um, they've got a couple Chinese players, so again, you know, you you're, you get some pretty points in my book. What do you think happened with that mess? I'm not sure. I, I think they were like really there. Maybe it's like a Paris sort of situation, like where they were mm. good at the beginning and like they had some this like special sure. like sauce that wasn't like I don't know it wasn't understood. But like sure. so I I don't know like the 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 best teams were like like NYXL and like Vancouver had that like throughout like where they may course, have not yeah. had like such high peaks or whatever, but like they were consistently good. Whereas like at the beginning, Spark was like the best team, I think by by a decent margin. Um. But I guess maybe people have like figured out like they didn't have anybody like especially good on their team, but something about them was like they were like utterly dominant. Like I guess it was the same with us at the beginning in like preseason, like where we were really good, um, and then and then leveled out a little bit more, I guess. But like they were like insanely good, and then just I don't know, just couldn't translate to the stage. I'd imagine. See, that's very interesting because like the people I talked to said like they're splitting against them in, in mm -hmm. pre-squeeze and scrims. So, uh, I was always, of, of course, like there's, there's heavy selection bias in the people I talk to, but to me, I guess I lucked into talking to the people that had a chance that then told me they were just like middle of the pack where they mm. 
now are. So I like to me, from the information I have, it, it just seemed like, okay, so I would have expected them to win a match more than they did, but uh, th that they that they wouldn't be like in a Vancouver or uh, NYXL situation. Yeah, that was pretty, for my information, pretty obvious to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess, like maybe, maybe we just had a bad matchup versus them, and like maybe their playstyle was really good, at, like preseason, sure, compared sure. to us. Um, and which we, I guess, we didn't realize that in the first, like, like preseason. I don't think anybody thought about like the rock paper scissors matchup that it would be like goats. They just assume, yeah. assume like some teams would be better at goats than others. Not that some teams' playstyle would be better against other teams' playstyle. Like it's definitely a lot more complicated than just somebody's better at goats than you. It's just like yeah, yeah. that's why that's why it's so fifty-fifty right now. I think when it, when it comes to like predicting matches and stuff, right? Was that were those scrims you're talking about where they were very good before they came to the states or after? I think they were in the states. I'm not sure. I always picked up like right before the season started. So mm, like, okay. I, I didn't get experience, I guess, pre-state okay. work, I'd imagine. Yeah, because for me, the big question mark is still the recruitment of uh, Sasin, right? Or Sasin, I think is Sasin? it? Sasin? Sa I don't know. S-A-S-I-N, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I think he he could be a big asset and also in, in general towards future matters because, like, he just seemed to be um, one of the more promising, like not not like the gods, you know, that oh, you expect yeah. to come out of contenders, but Tichu, yeah, you know, easily uh, like that. a good. Even back when we were kind of making our little like owl pellets teams, that if we needed a, if you were had a Korean core and you wanted a, you know, a Korean projectile player that had experience playing Diva, Sashin did a good job. Like, was he going to be lights out your all star ace player? No, of course not, but. It was during a time where there wasn't very many that were kind of good, and he plugged right in. So, you know, again, I've heard very good things from Spark with Shashin. So seeing him without, mm. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens when he gets brought in. Does he, maybe he's very good at calming. Who knows? I also, like, he seems to embody that sort of skill set that we see sort of required more and more now, where you need the flex tank to also be uh, pretty DPS. solid on DPS. And, of course... Like I, when I think Sashin, I think Genji. Genji yeah, Farah, yeah, yeah. So I think if that ever come, becomes important, then there are only a select few tanks that can, or off tanks that you even, um, you know, like connect to that type of player. Like Nico comes to mind, who was that back in the day with Rogue, Navix, but Navix or Choi, Choi. yeah. Was the ding, the ding was like that too, right? Or ding? yes, yes, very much so. His yeah. diva was always like, "Do if we don't have to play him on diva, we won't. We'll just put him on the far." So yes, very much so. If if there becomes a time where, and I do think that uh, this is a very prominent time where you can have your diva flex off. I just don't think it's imperative yet. I think if we were to take this patch and play it for another year, yes, you'd see that be, you know, one of the highest uh, weighted things on my list of, you know, what you need in a team is your diva has to be able to flex to something else because you can't just run diva right now. So, yeah. yes or no? Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is everybody waking up, so sorry. Of course, good yeah. morning, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Um, <laughs> was, it, was a question posed to me? Did I miss it? No, 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 no. You're fine. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> uh, what I wanted to know is, 
because I'm currently trying to model like a pattern of success for some teams. Like one thing that really interests me is how valuable a contenders team is to an Overwatch League team. So not just for promotion, like uh, like in your case, or like a, um, you know, in general. Do you need, need a moment? <laughs> You're muted. Oh yeah, sorry. Keep, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Um, <laughs> the so for, for instance, the Valiant doesn't have a contenders team. Is I wonder if there's more than just you know being able to get players, but also the cross pollination of like um, information, for instance, about goats. Because we know, like, the contenders players overall in Overwatch League that mm -hmm. played contenders before uh, the season starts, so the rookies, are doing already pretty well against those veterans, right? So yeah. you think having a contenders team is, like, a, uh, a considerable factor in having, like, a um, uh, strong Overwatch League team at least this season? Uh, I'm not sure, because I, I don't know how much... I mean, yeah, probably, I guess, because the NYXL have plays against theirs. Vancouver doesn't have one, so I, I think. But they did play in contenders themselves. So they did play in contenders themselves, yeah. So I think mm -hmm. I think having uh, an academy team or playing in contenders, I think definitely does impact it. I'd imagine, but I don't know. I don't know if it's like some extreme margin. I think it's like a lot of different things. It's like one of those. It's like similarly to like why would a team get like a, a sports psychologist or something like that? I guess. Mm. Where it's like the they're like they they add up I guess like it's a lot of minor things and that that's necessary in a professional sports league that you need to like take those precautions just so that you can make ev you you take every you do everything to make yourself better I guess so I, I think having an academy team definitely does improve it but I don't necessarily know if it's like by some insane margin or playing in contenders I guess by the mm. same margin but I, I think like yeah I think I think it matters because like I had a lot of experience in goats with the. Uh, or not like a lot of experience in goats, but a decent bit of experience in goats with the with our academy team. Um, so I guess I knew what was needed of like a flex support in in this meta, and, and the fact that like calm a lot, and that's kind of like uh, I guess is is it's set like a a basis, I guess, for like some sort of leadership, I guess, in a team. But um, I I think yeah, having a contenders team or having experience in contenders has definitely impacted a lot of the teams that are in the top right now. I guess I'll just continue doing live research because that is another aspect that... So I read this book um, on, interestingly, on the recommendation of uh, Captain Planet, the stats analyst for uh, Overwatch League. And he recommended a book to me called Captain's, Captain's Class. And it was, it's basically a book summarizing like the greatest sports French or teams eras in sports history and it boils it down and just tries to find like patterns. The one pattern is you have got to have a captain. And I wonder, like, I'm not sure how much you can talk about this for your team, who the captain uh, figure is, but do you think it's possible to be a captain figure if, even if you're not the, uh, on the starting roster? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think right now, especially in Goat's Meta, I think you need at least somebody or something. Not not somebody specifically, but you need at least like a decent core of people that can that can bring consistent comms and that kind of stuff. Because it's hard for every player to just be that consistent, like calmer every day, I guess. But so you need at least you know one or two players that like can bring that. I think. I, I think like that's probably on like every team. I'd imagine is like having having at least one 
or two people that can calm that like a lot or bring some sort of consistency to the team. Um, even in practice, I guess that maybe leads into a little bit of what we do in our practice. So I, I probably shouldn't touch on it too much, but mm -hmm. I, I think I agree. Yeah. I think, I think that having a strong leadership figure or, or something like that can be, is pretty needed. Yeah. Nice. It, All right. I got it. Okay. Go ahead. One so more. You get just one, more. one more. Thing. One more. Yeah, okay. So I think it's just hard in Overwatch because sometimes it's like, okay, so you have a, a player pool and they have real life characteristics of leadership and whatever. But the problem is that sometimes the role, depending on the meta, doesn't lend itself to leadership. So for instance, if you're like, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say last season, what, what, probably D.Va is probably not that good it, it, just like in, his, in the history of Overwatch or at least not as frequent, let's say. Or um, even I, like... I think on your point, I think, yeah, it needs to like transfer, I think. Is there a trend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, the the ability to calm like like especially in this meta, I think that flexport should probably calm a lot. But it also depends. Like I know Boston has like a very obviously like a very frontline heavy like calm. Mm -hmm. Like aim god obviously is not a talkative person. Neither is freaking Kellex. So like they obviously talk a lot on their front lines. So I don't know if that necessarily like translates. Like yeah, they talk a lot and they're probably good in, to some respect because of it, but they may not have, like, the highest skill cap that they could because they don't have very talkative zen or something like that. <coughs> so, like, I don't know. It definitely it definitely transfers per meta, and because you need, in some metas, you need a very, you know, talkative DPS player. It, it changes, yes. for sure. Yeah. It doesn't stagnate, I guess. Interesting. All right, we got to get out of here, though. That's oh, time. Yeah, yeah. That's 75 minutes. We're, we're very punctual here. On, on the show. Right. I do have one more question for you, Dogman. When's the next alt advantage? Oh, geez. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> called out. <laughs> I, I, can, I can say, I guess, there's something really re interesting in the works that's, uh, that you might see sometime next stage, I guess. All right. Some, maybe, see, maybe I already it's... have a good guess what it is. <laughs> but like I don't want to spoil the surprise. Like not because nothing's I know even not. set. Nothing's even set in stone or even this is like pre-planning. Like yeah. really My, far ahead. I'm not even sure if I want to just say it out loud and see your facial reaction to it. <laughs> go but ahead, it's go like, ahead. Okay, so my idea is that maybe like either shoulder content or like a watchpoint segment could just be like players talking as like part of the regular broadcast and. I could see just players talking amongst I themselves. I definitely, I think on a bigger scale, I think like much like Riot is doing with each of their regions, having like kind of uh, developer fronted podcasts. So like the die for like LCS and LEC has their own. What's stopping from the Overwatch League having uh, your boy Dogman host his own alt advantage uh, officially on the Overwatch League website? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, of Danny Green and his NBA podcast. So. <laughs> nice. uh what about anything else about you um that, that you want to say to any of the atlanta rain fans where people can follow you all that good stuff uh no i was just i'm just glad to be on a, a podcast thanks for having me it's been nice um and you know obviously everybody's waking up so <laughs> thanks to my thanks to my coach casaurus you know he's a really great uh dude uh yeah, and then that's about it, I guess. Yeah, thanks to the Atlanta fans. Thanks to everybody. Thanks for watching the podcast. Follow follow up on Tactical Crouch and the, or Teabag, 
Why didn't you? <laughs> why didn't? Why did you call it tactical crouch? I want. You just want. What was the reason behind that? Ask John. That was. This uh, is John. I'm just. Uh, I just like clever names. Tactical crouch is always fun because every time. One. I think the goal is happens. to get Carpe on. I think Carpe yeah. kind of started the tactical crouch movement. So you know, I think uh, episode 100 maybe we'll we'll try to get a translator. See, we'll I I thought it was because uh, Joe has a Sinatra tattoo on his left butt cheek. <laughs> I, I was drunk. It was a dare in college. Come on, I I don't need this brought up on, on Jeez, jeez. Yeah, it was just kind of like, hey, that's kind of funny. We can make we can make that work. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a thing, I guess. Uh, Yesco, what about you, man? What do you got coming up this week? Uh, I gotta get some writing on. I'll probably sit down immediately after this, try to figure out what this, you know, now definitely announced the, like, home game type of thing would look like and what the implications are for Overwatch League and then also how that could benefit contenders players in a sense. And, um, yeah, I still want to talk about a little bit about the role of GMs over the weekend, so... No, we're doing something like this. Oh, actually, you, I think you bring up a good point with the contender stuff. I think you might see some uh, some scouting done as each team moves around the world. I think you're going to have to scrim against some teams you would normally have to, and there might be some players that impress. So you might you might see some fun scouting there. So yeah, I think that I think this would be really interesting. I'm kind of interested to hear what your your take is on that. Nice, Joe. Sorry, did you say what you're doing this week? No, um, I'm. I still have my uh, valiant piece to write. It's almost done. It's almost done. It's been a, a work in progress for a little bit. Um, definitely check out the YouTube. I've got a couple of videos I want to make. Uh, obviously, Contenders China starts up, I believe, tomorrow. So go ahead and check that. I will not be on the broadcast. Definitely, kind of taking a step away from that. But definitely go show all the love to uh, the broadcast GG community and all those fantastic casters and analysts that uh, cover the, the the Chinese scene. I will still be covering it, but not just uh, officially for their broadcast. Um, I expect a couple of videos about the charge. I had a request to kind of do like a study on the charge, so I'll be doing that sometime soon. Uh, but yeah, just uh, general content, more interviews coming. Um, stay tuned. Awesome. Uh, as for me, doing a little bit more streaming here at twitch.tv slash kickstripod. That's been a lot of fun playing some Apex. Played a little Overwatch the other day. Oh. Did I... <laughs> Just gonna leave it there. Just I played a little bit. I, I guess I, I, I thought I was ready to talk about it, but I guess I'm not ready to talk about it. So uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Make sure to follow the show at Tactical underscore Crouch on Twitter. Um, yeah, send us your messages and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you can sub and support here at the channel, and all that goes to support the show and help us make you know upgrades and all that kind of stuff. So definitely make sure. To do that, follow the channel here as well. And, of course, you can download it to all your Spotify's and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and everywhere else. It's available everywhere. Just search for Tactical Crouch. Dogman, thank you again, man. I uh, hope you had fun. Thanks for taking time. I know you're busy. I know you're super busy. So really appreciate you being on. And we'll have to get you on again. Post yeah, for sure. Uh, well, after they win, after they yeah. win Overwatch, <laughs> exactly. We we got dibs on first interview. <laughs> yeah, let Explosive. me win the stage first, real quick. All, all right, right, all right. All right sounds enough. good. That's gonna do it for episode twenty three. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.